Welcome to the Caring Advisor Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Elizabeth Brickman, the Caring Advisor. Would you like to experience financial happiness? As a former finance professional credentialed in biblical finance, I want to help you close the gaps, heal the hurts, and put God at the center of your finances. On today's episode, I want to welcome back to the studio a friend I admire so much who was a great hit the first time she came. And today we're going to talk about your financial DNA. And welcome to the studio, Joanne Doubt. Thank you, Elizabeth. Happy to be here. (laughs) So we've been talking about giving, and I would like to ask you, um, I guess you have to be rich to give. (laughs) <laughs> Not at all. You just have to realize that God owns it all and you don't. Mm-hmm. And think of the Bible. Jesus made a big deal about the widow's might. She could barely rub two nickels together, and he made a big deal about what she gave us compared to some wealthy person giving. She gave a huge percentage of her net worth away. That's right. Despite the wealthier people around. So you do not have to, to be rich to give. You just need to understand that God owns it and you don't. My Bible study is reading a great book, Ordinary Men, by John MacArthur. And it talks about the 12 ordinary men, the apostles, and how he uses insignificant gifts to create big results. And they were talking about the little boy with the loaves and the fishes in the the book, and we were studying that last week, and how Jesus did not need those loaves and fishes to get enough food to feed the 5,000. But he likes to use our giving, what we think are insignificant gifts, but all we have, and then he multiplies that into a miracle. And by doing that, he engages us in doing his work. It's, It's really pretty extraordinary. But I think what prevents people from wanting to be part of that, that exquisite, holy process is what? What do you think? Uh, People not realizing that they don't own it. They are hanging on to it. They've got their fists clenched tight. They're not going to let go because they think that they own it and they've got to cover everything. My grocery bills, my, my insurance, my mortgage, all of this. And they think, okay, if there's anything left at the end of the month after I pay for everything I want to pay for and spend mm. money on, then I'll give whatever left to God. Mm-hmm. And that's just the reverse. God tells us to give of our first fruits, not of our last. Oh, that's so incredibly good. Because I will tell you, as someone who worked as a financial advisor with clients all across the country for 25 years, I will tell you, and I worked with high net worth clients, that there is always something out there that you may see that will tickle your fancy, that you may want, that you don't necessarily need, but there will always be something attractive. If you buy a $100,000 yacht, your eye will catch sight of a $200,000 yacht. Well, I guess you can't buy a yacht for either of those amounts, but you know what I'm saying. Um, because Solomon said it, no matter how much we have, the eye sees and delights in having more. It's just a fact. But one of the things that will help us to put God first in our giving is, again, as you aptly said, to realize that God owns it. So if God 
owns it, Joanne, then every spending decision is a spiritual decision. Right. Yes, and if, if we uh, come up, if we operate from that perspective that he owns it all, how freeing is that? It I is don't have freeing. to worry about that. It's his. It's all his money anyway. Right. Um, I'm going to take a major liberty on a very familiar parable. This is the parable of the business owner who was going to go out of town, and he called his three managers mm-hmm. into his office and left them with varying amounts of the company to run. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so he does this. He meets with them all, gives them various amounts, and then he leaves town on his business trip. Mm-hmm. Well, so what do the first two guys do? I mean, here's my liberty part. They basically go down the street to the local bank. Mm-hmm. They open up a bank account in the name of who? The owner, the business owner, not in their names because oh. they don't own it. They just sign on as trustees or custodians oh, or signers good. with investment make, uh, making strategies um, and distribution strategies. But the name on the account is the business owner. They don't own it. And what did the third guy do? He basically hid it in a coffee can in the backyard. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you could not get over the ownership piece of the whole thing. But oh. we need to understand we don't own it. That is really good. Yes. And, you know, once we realize that our position is a manager of God's assets mm-hmm. and not yeah. an owner, you can really exhale because now you're you're out of the world system. You put yourself onto God's system. Now, you referred a few minutes ago to giving first, not last. And we talked about how if you give last, there's usually not a lot to give. So I like to think of it in terms of buckets. Now, not a real bucket, and we're way past the old envelope system of keeping cash around. But realistically, if we know that God gets the first percentage, then one great thing to do is every year try to slightly increase that percentage. So if you've never given before, you may feel you can only start with, say, 5% or even less. But next year, you're going to try to get to 7%. Just yesterday, I was speaking with the president of National Christian Foundation, our dear friend, Lori Farquhar, and we were talking about giving goals. So if we set up a giving goal that we're going to strive toward, then it just changes the entire nature of the giving process. And then we reconfigure the rest of our finances around what is left. Now, not everyone is affluent. Not everyone feels that they have enough money to even manage monthly without any kind of giving. So we like to start where we are. If if the widow could put in those few pennies and it matters, then the modern day, maybe single mom, can put in a sum that stretches her, that will require faith, and begin there. And then every month or every period of time, just keep increasing it. And I will tell you that, listeners, when you get off the world's economic system and you attach yourself to God's economic system, you are in a different world. I have a friend who, through no fault of her own, lost everything. And she was determined that no matter what, giving her giving amount would come first. And her son used to come periodically and look at the monthly bills with her and what had happened. And 
he was amazed. He said, mathematically, this does not add up. Everything is paid. Everything is okay. It, it just doesn't add up. That's God's economy. Yes. If we give to him first, it's amazing how he makes the rest of it just work. That's right. I call it God math. Oh, I love that. That's <laughs> <laughs> in my book. Um, so let's talk about building wealth to give to the Lord. Let's talk about that process. God has given you the DNA to make money. You had better get your buns out there and make it. Okay, I love that. So let's talk about what that means. So in order to get yourself out there and use that financial DNA to earn money. So what that means is, number one, no more hiding. No more hiding in your parents' garage or no more uh, hiding within your own insecure self because your life is not your own. God made you. You know, we are just the clay. He's the potter. We're the clay. And if he made that clay to be able to, to succeed in business or in an enterprise, then we don't want to be a bad steward and let let this opportunity go by. No, you, you've got to get out there. Um, I'm self-employed. Um, and every morning I sit on the edge of my bed when I wake up and I say to myself, Joanne, what do you want for dinner, steak or hot dogs? And I say, I want steak. Mm. Okay, Joanne, what are you going to do to go out there and bring it in the business so you can have a steak tonight? Wow. Bone-in ribeye, medium rare. (laughs) (laughs) And I know you really do like steak. (laughs) But, I mean, we've got to take some initiative. You know, we have to, what's the saying? Um, Work... Depend on God as if he's doing it, but work as if it's all dependent on us. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, so we have to kind of get over ourselves and realize that in ourselves, we're probably inadequate to do pretty much anything. We're certainly inadequate to save ourselves. And that's why we have Jesus. So he has covered us and he will cover us as we put ourselves out there. Um, God has given us, uh, how is the scripture God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we have to go forward with that perspective. We cannot indulge our fears and insecurities. We have to take those thoughts captive. We have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And the thoughts that tell us to stay stuck are not coming from the Lord. You got that right. So we need to put ourselves out there with grace and humility. So what does the humility part look like? Well, it means do not go back and listen to my first podcast. (laughs) Back then, about 35 episodes or so away, um, I was not doing very well. And probably a year from now, uh, I won't think this was very good either. But it means we are willing to use the assets that he gave us for his glory. Absolutely. He's entrusted us with what he has decided is best for us, yes. and we need to steward those assets and manage them for his glory, for his use. And another thing that strikes me is that we need to realize that the path to success is not going to look sweet and clean and straight, even if. It is God's will that we get there. So when a setback occurs or an obstacle arises, that is not necessarily God saying, don't do this. He just wants to make you stronger. 
yeah. and 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 wants to have us rely on him so that that success path will glorify him. Another another thing I want to share with our listeners is you never want to make the mistake of waiting until success in order to give. Don't don't say, well, once I get this much, then I'm going to give. And right. Once I get here, then I'm going to give. Once I buy my new house, then I'll give. Once I get my next promotion, then I'll give. You don't want to do that. First fruits, just give of your first fruits. That's what we're commanded. Today. It's just so easy. Today. And I'm going to go back on your comment, Elizabeth, about the percentage giving mm-hmm. and increasing your percentage every year. Mm-hmm. I would like to put a challenge out there to some to have some of you consider reverse tithing. Can you live on 10% of your income and give mm-hmm. 90% of it away? Oh, that is thrilling. That is a There's thrilling. A challenge. That is a wonderful challenge. <gasps> well, I don't know that we can do any better than that. So on that, on that uh, mighty, uh, 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 lofty note, I think we'll say bye-bye for now. And I just want to thank you, Joanne, for being a wonderful guest and a wonderful member of our community, a dear friend for more than a decade, and just love what you're doing and the way you think. And what's interesting for you is that I can look at you and talk to you and know that there is more ahead and I can't wait for the next financial adventure in Christ. I look forward to that. (laughs) Thanks, Elizabeth. Bye for now. Let's continue our conversation. Subscribe and be notified when the next episode airs. And if this has helped you find financial happiness, please share it. Let's close the gaps heal the hurts, and put God at the center of our finances. Come visit me at elizabethbrickman.com, where subscribers receive additional content. And thanks to my co-producer and audio engineer, Tyler Harrison.